What's up, world? Welcome to the Dig on Doug podcast. I'm your host, Doug, and I'm going to be bringing you episodes all about having fun, real, and deep conversations. So I hope you enjoy, and let's get digging. All right, what's up? What's up? What's up, diggers? Welcome to another episode of the Dig on Doug podcast. I'm happy to be here with you all again. Got a very awesome guest today like he's gonna drop some 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 more jewels like if y'all need jewels especially in this pandemic time of like how to make it through how to get through these things and and how to push yourself forward uh man this this man here is definitely gonna drop some some gems for you uh and don't bury them again definitely uh utilize them and use them in your life and so um I've known uh, Dr. Joshua Fredenberg for about maybe the last four years now. Um, he runs an awesome, amazing um, leadership conference that uh, one has changed my life and just how I look at life, but so many countless others. And, and leadership is definitely a huge thing. I believe one is something that needs to be talked about more because it needs the real true definition of leadership is so varied, but we look at it as so in a microscopic way. Um, so welcome to the Dig on Doug podcast, Josh. Yeah, no, it's good to be here. It's good to be here, Doug. So happy to be here. Thank you for allowing me to be uh, one of your guests after all the wonderful guests you've had in the past. I'm, I'm honored to be here. Thank you so much. Hey, man, you you was high on the list. I just had to get the time and figure things out. So um, yeah. we, we definitely going to get it rolling. So, I mean, one of the things, like I said, you you have the, the Circle of Change Leadership Conference and and things that you've done, but I want to I want to go back a little bit to to your upbringing, to your to your grassroots. Um, who was Joshua as as a young kid? Uh, how did he find out about himself? Like, just give the people a little bit of insight about uh, you growing up and and everything. Yeah, so when I was younger, um, I moved around a lot. So I go back way back to four and five years old, and so during that time, too, my parents got divorced when I was three years of age. Oh, okay, and wow. so uh, ultimately, I grew up in a single parent house. So now again, my dad was still in my life, so I don't want to you know, say he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I had my grandmother, my grandfather, my great, great grandmother, which ultimately lived in El Cerrito. Oh, so okay. a lot of my time was spent actually in El Cerrito in the Berkeley area. That's where I did a lot of my growing up from in about five. In the Bay, in the Bay, y'all. In the Bay, in the Bay, in the Bay. From about five to 10 years old, um, being from a single parent household and going to different schools and moving to different areas, I learned how to meet people really quickly. So I was always very good at making friends instantly. So I think that quality has stayed with me now. Um, when I was about eight years old, my mother decided to get a home in Fairfield. Oh, okay. And so it was me and my mother in Fairfield, California, when I began third grade. And I was um, only child. And my mother worked long hours. So ultimately, by the time I was 10, I really had to do everything myself. So I would have to go to the grocery store. I would have to cook my own meals. There was really oh, wow. no accountability as far as doing your homework. I really just had to be focused myself. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where I get my discipline. I think that's where I get my, my self-motivation because that's what I was forced to do when I was a younger age. Again, I would see my father and I, I'll be in my grandmother's a lot. So my grandmother had a great influence on my life. I would be there like every weekend in the summers, man, going to the movies right by UC Berkeley. I used to walk the hill. I used to ride Bart. And I mean, what I did when I was 10, 11 years old, I can't imagine my kids doing it, but I was just out <laughs> and about, you know, and then when I was in Fairfield, man, we had our crew. So we would be just out and about, man. We'd just be playing basketball. So I remember every every Sunday we'd be playing basketball, tackle football. Um, we'd just be out in the streets riding bikes. We played tackle football on the cement. I don't know what we – no, we called it three-second hold. That was it called. So three-second hold. <laughs> so, you know, we was – we was walling hey, out. I, I, I know them days. I remember them days. Yeah. So then as I evolved, I was about 10 years of age. I think this is where I had a major shift. Because um, I used to be a fighter, man. So if someone talked about I was ready to fight, like, okay. I was just ready to fight. So when I was three years old, there was this dude that used to always mess with me. And um, I was walking home from school, and they were like, you're going to have to fight him. So my grandfather was a boxer. Okay. And so I used to always go to boxing gym. So I just, you know, did what he had taught me, and I knocked the dude out. <laughs> so from that point on, I thought I, you know, I was I was ready to fight anybody. Um, yeah. then when I got to fifth grade, I I was at my grandmother's and we were throwing rocks at cars and a uh, car shattered. And so at that point, I almost had to go to jail actually. Um, but literally they didn't press charges for it. And so at that point, I have I had my Jesus moment and I said I'm gonna start being good. <laughs> so I think from that, it's true statement. So from that point on, I was like I'm not getting no fights. Now I started walking away from fights. I was like very reluctant. Like I was just really more of a peacemaker trying to just do the right thing. I think that was my my Jesus moment at that moment, which really yeah. trajected my career. 
Um, and so then about, I started going to school in Fairfield, went to Army Hill High School, um, was really into basketball and making it to the NBA. And then my mother remarried. And at that point, I made the shift to transfer to Hogan High School. Okay. So I transferred to Hogan High School my 11th grade year. Uh, my dad was a teacher there, uh, really 30 plus years. So he was a teacher oh, wow. there. I made the basketball team. And I really think that's the major shift because I really began to flourish there. So um was very involved, um, did really well, was like the basketball superstar at Hogan High School mm-hmm. in uh, 1997. So averaged a lot of points, newspaper articles, trophies, all that kind of good stuff. Oh, so okay. that was my trajectory. Yeah, I was doing it. I, I you back you, in the history. You but, were under Times Herald for real. <laughs> yes, I was. Yes, I was. Yep. Athlete of the week had all that. Uh, played against uh, CC Sabathia. He was a junior during that time. So, you okay. know, the famous baseball player, Brandon Armstrong. He made it yeah. to the NBA. Uh, so, there's a lot of a lot of famous people came out of Vallejo, and I, I happened to be a part of that generation uh, playing basketball. And then from there, man, um, 18 went off to Long Beach State to LA. Okay. And the reason I went there is because number one, I loved LA. We used to go there for trap meets and basketball camps. And I just, I just loved LA, man. LA was just like, and I knew I wasn't coming back. So uh, once I went to LA, that was it. And went to college and tried out for the team. Missed it by one player. Doug looked at me because I said, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. <laughs> but I uh, went to, uh, yeah, went to, um, went to Long Beach State, tried out for the team, missed it by one player. Um, and then that's where I trajected into speaking, and then the rest really took off from there. So I guess when I was growing up, I was very disciplined. I was very motivated, very ambitious. It was pretty clear what I wanted to do. Okay. Um, and really, you know, just was always a talker, always a, a, a communicator, mm-hmm. always liked to be out and about. So it never was like to be the stay at home. I would like to go to people's houses, talk to people. Yeah. I was I was that kind of person. Connect. Yeah, that was just my that was just my my makeup. So okay, so that that was my childhood growing up. Yeah, let me let me ask you about this because you you said something that I mean, it's not my experience, and so it hit me a little bit. But you said you you knew you wanted to go down to LA for school, but you also knew you weren't coming back. I knew I wasn't coming back. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, like 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 how was that? Like 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 take us through that like a little bit. Like especially for those who might be listening to this and they're. They're at that point, 17, 18, and they're thinking about school, and they're like, you know, mm-hmm. those are big jumps. So. Yeah, yeah. No, nah, I just um, I just loved L.A., man. I, um, L.A. was just – it was faster to me. Mm-hmm. It was entertainment capital. I was a Lakers fan. Um, honestly, at that time, the women really got my attention in L.A. L.A. just – it just – L.A. just is Long Beach. It was just – it was just the place I was supposed to be. La, 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 yeah, la, I mean, I remember like literally, honestly, the first night that I got there and I was in a hotel, I was like smiling. I was so happy to be there. Like I just oh, knew wow. that I was supposed to be there. And literally still been in Long Beach ever since. Oh. But I just knew I wasn't going back to the Bay. Um, the Bay was just, it was just slow to me mm-hmm. uh, from, from, my, from my perspective. So it was just slow to me. Um, love going to visit, but can't stay there too long. I got to go back. You know, hey, maybe we, the hey. freedom. Hey, we all got our own speeds and everything. We got to find, and I mean, but you took that jump to actually do that, and that's that can be the difficult part and everything. And so you talked about that that shift for you, and you starting to find your thing. You're you're a world traveling speaker. You mm-hmm. man, I I see you like when when we were pre COVID, man. I was yeah. on Instagram, and you like you everywhere, and I'm like, man, how just seeing how Josh moves sometimes make me tired, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, like that's that's some work. But you, you talked about your childhood. Did you did you always see yourself as a leader? Like, did you was that something you had always saw in yourself, or was it something that that also cultivated? But a lot of times people struggle with seeing themselves as a leader, especially you were on a sports team. And I remember, yeah. I know myself. I played football for two years in high school, but I never saw myself as like a leader on the team. Like I was on the team, but I never saw myself as a leader. And even as my own personal self, I didn't see myself as a leader until years later like in my right. 20s um but did you see yourself as a leader as young i think i did um i think i did actually just because when i was younger i used to play sports okay and so i was the quarterback so i was like the leader of our team oh, okay um always always was very um i guess i would like to be that one out there right so you know i like i don't want to say i like to be in charge but i do like to be in charge i, I you know it's just it's, it's it's one of those things that's just part of who i am Maybe it was because I was a single child. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, could, could be a, could be, I mean, I had a sister, but I mean, living by myself for a good portion of time. Okay. So, uh, being, uh, you know, 
I, I just always had that ability wanted to be, I guess, lead. I just always had that in mm-hmm. me. I was always, I guess, because basketball, right? I had a dream and I wanted to be in the NBA. So you're striving to be the best every single yeah. day. And so I think, I think that strive to be the best automatically puts you in that leadership category. Okay. But if you're going to be the best, you got to be a leader at some, at some level. And I think that's what drove me there. Mm-hmm. Um, to say that I knew what it meant to be a leader, had no idea what it meant to be a yeah. leader. Um, wasn't trying to be Dr. King, wasn't trying to be Malcolm X, wasn't trying to be President Obama, wasn't trying to, I had no, no politics, didn't want to be a mayor, didn't want to be a governor, didn't care about being a CEO, an executive. I didn't care about none of that. Yeah. I just want to be a basketball player and a sports broadcaster. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess, I guess the natural leadership was there. Yeah. But I the think seed, the evolution the were there. Took, the seeds were there. The seeds definitely. were there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and so what position did you play in basketball? Shooting guard. So I was a shooter. Oh, okay. Yeah. Were you a <laughs> as well? Did you have some magic in you or? I could probably I'll tell you I shot the ball too much, but I was always <laughs> shooting. I was... <laughs> so I'm shooting, man. I'm, I'm like Kobe Bryant. I'm pulling the trigger, man. They no, uh, you, you, you took that shooting guard position literally. Like, <laughs> that's, that's what it meant. You shoot the ball. <laughs> So yeah, so so you talked about de- developing that that leadership style and everything. What are some key pivotal moments for you of like seeing that leadership style? Is there like an instant moment that like clicks in your mind where you're like things started to really come together? It's like, oh, this is my leadership. I think when I was uh, my master's program, okay. so I was always I was leader in school and I was leader of campus organizations, but I think when I went to get my master's in organizational leadership, I think that's where everything shifted. Because okay. number one was at that point where I was really able to understand what leadership was. Because this is a very ambiguous word. And I think if you're not taught and you don't study leadership, it's really hard to really understand what that is. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the challenges in our nation today. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't really know what leadership is. Yeah. And once you understand what leadership is and what effective leadership is and what great leadership is, then you can just start to develop the skill sets that are required to be that type of leader. And I'm, I'll give, I'm going to break it down in a moment. So, like, when I was in my, my master's program, I, I said I had a natural ability to lead. You know, the whole question, are you born or are you developed? I believe yeah. we have natural tendencies, natural behaviors, mm-hmm. and natural abilities. And I'm a firm believer in that. But it's like basketball. In order to be great, you have to develop the skill set. Yeah. And you mm-hmm. have to add the different types of fundamentals right the different types of skills the form right uh study the tape you gotta do certain things to become great and so i think i was just raw and so when i got to my master's program i really began to learn about leadership i learned about servant leadership transformational leadership emotional intelligence and all of the fundamentals right that enable a leader to be effective and to be and to be and to be and to be more more better so when i went to my master's program i was hitting myself on the head because mm-hmm. I was like, man, my gift of leadership got me to a certain place. Yeah. But if I knew these behaviors, if I knew these skills, or I even were fundamentals, mm-hmm. I probably could have been farther than where I was. Yeah. Like there's certain things that I did that I think could have materialized on a whole nother level mm-hmm. if I understood what it meant to be an effective leader. Yeah. And so that's what I learned when I was in my master's program. That's where I learned the different type of leadership styles and what type of leader that I was, what, what I was going to be. Um, that's where it really began to take shape, and it's still it still continues to evolve. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a skill that always develops. Like it's never in cement yeah. and everything. I know for myself, um, people are always shocked, especially like in my in my work and stuff I do now. When I tell them I used to be shy, I used to be a shy. I was high school, <laughs> middle school, like I was a shy person. I was just me. But I remember when I got out of high school, um, graduated from a Jesse Bethel. Um, I was like, okay, I'm in college, even though I didn't know what college was, I was just going to college and I was like, okay, I don't want to be shy no more. And I took an art class, I mean, a, um, a acting class the first semester and then a communications class the first semester. I was like, okay, I got to try to knock this out um, and, and yeah. learn these stuff. And it really helped. But where I really started to learn my, my leadership skills and stuff, um, and like you said, um, sometimes we're just naturally doing stuff, but we don't know until somebody helps us put it in, in like a jar or something and figure it out. And then we can play with right. it and do what we need to do. I was 25, 26 at the time. And um, over at DVC, uh, I call that my home school for sure. Um, yeah. a, a teacher, um, Ellen Cruz, shout out to Ellen Cruz. If she ever hears, <laughs> it's like, I love her. Um, I was in I was in my English class and I remember being in that class and she would break us up into different groups to work on our papers. 
And I went to her office hours one day and was like, why aren't you putting me in the groups with my friends? I had friends in, in, in this class and she wouldn't put me in there. And she told me straight up, um, she was like, Doug, there's something that you bring out of other people that helps them develop and all this stuff. Like, and she said leadership and all this stuff, but in my head, internally in my head, I'm like, lady, you are crazy. I'm not a leader. I had yeah. never saw myself as a leader. And so I really sat down with it one day um, and was like, okay, well, if she's saying I'm, I'm a leader and I trust her word um, and I'm not doing anything to like, try to like be a leader. I was like, okay, let me just keep running with this. And like you said, I really believe in that. You got to really find your talents of what leadership is. And then yeah. once you can develop it and grow it, then you can change it and you can do it for different things. Because mm -hmm. um, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Like, I was just right. like interacting with people, trying to like have people conversate and all that stuff. And um, I didn't know that was leadership, like you said. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you don't, you don't know until you begin to uncover and begin to discover stuff about yourself and then really know how to apply it. I mean, I think that's the, that's the big thing. So, you know, one of the things that I learned that I've been very effective at is I've always been a visionary person. Yeah. So I think that's a that's a, a foundation of leadership is vision. So I've always been a visionary and I've always been really good at galvanizing people or organizing people. Mm -hmm. So that's that's pretty much of a natural thing. I think when you deal with leadership and probably for me that I think is you know, when I have people around me that can be more so managers. And I think there's a difference. And what I mean by that is people that are more of the one on one communication, more of the checking up on people like, you, you know, I'm one of those people, man. I'm in and I'm out. I may be gone for like two. It's just, it's just who I am. So it's, it's part of my DNA. But I do know as far as effective leaders, there has to be that check-in and there has to be that conversation. Yeah. It's just a part of leadership. And I just know when you know that's not your strong suit, and I'm probably yeah. still working on this, it's important to get people around you that can be those can kind of people. Yes. And that, you know, that, that's what I think is so important. I think even all, now in the 21st century, I really believe this, that, you know, we grew up hearing about the historic leader. Mm -hmm. uh, but we didn't really grow up hearing about the people that surrounded the leader. Yeah, and I yeah. think it's not a, a one-man show. It's actually a collective group of people that are working together to make an impact. And I think that's really vital in the 21st century. Well, yeah, no, and 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 like you said, it's the... Because we always talk about it takes a village. And we usually right. say it takes a village to raise somebody, but it also takes a village to help the village. Like, it really right. exactly. takes exactly. everybody to help everybody. And, and, and you touched on that, and with everything that's going on right now, we're in a pandemic. Um, there's so much. Then we have social unrest that's been here and it's just bubbled up to the to the to the top right now and everything. And so I've been having conversations with people and everything on this. And 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 let me know if you agree or not. But where it seems like we're in a very lack of true leadership right now in this. Oh, time. of course, all across the board. And I'm all not across the board. And Democrats, so, Republicans, whatever. It's oh, it's it's. First of all, and I'm going to tell you why I think there's a lack of leadership. This is this is my personal opinion. I think that people are more concerned about their agenda and their brand versus the actual helping and solution of people. So what I mean by that is that the people that are given the opportunity, every decision is based on is going to affect my brand, is going to affect my numbers, is going to affect my money. It has nothing to do with making the sacrifices for people. And I'm talking about from the ones that have decisions. Now, there's other people yeah. that are willing to make those changes. I'm not, I'm not discrediting. There's people that are willing to step out there and say mm -hmm. some stuff that and they're doing. I'm not, I'm not discrediting that, but I'm just saying what we see on television, uh, the ones that make a lot of our decisions. I think yeah. a lot of it is very strategic and um, it's, it's, it's very, I think it's very um, ambitious driven. That's, that's what I'll say. No, and I think, Oh, go you got me thinking now, man. You got, me. and I think a lot. Honestly, no, because I think no. I think this is so true. I think a lot of people are leading out of their hurt and their emotions mm. versus really being whole and really critically thinking. Like I was having a conversation with one of my friends, and I said, "Man, you know the the greatest leader right now is the balanced leader. It's not really the the left. It's not really the right. Because what you have is you have people that feel like if you don't agree with me, I'm going to cancel you out. Yeah." So there's really no, there's no reasoning, right? And the truth be told, neither of them has the right answers. Because mm -hmm. I can show you, you go through the television with COVID-19, I can show you how Dr. Fossey was wrong, more left. I can show you how uh, certain other people on the right. I can show you where both were wrong yeah. in certain cases. Some opened too early, mm -hmm. some went a little overboard. You know what I'm saying? So 
I think, and I think both are right, but how can we bring these two things together exactly. to develop a viable solution where everyone is beneficial? People are all about themselves, but yeah. not really about the solution, which comes to quote, which is another great problem, is we can't unify each other. Yeah. There's no Ooh. one that can unify <laughs> people together. There's no, we can't unify. It's like, there's no unity at all. And I think, and I need to write an article. I think that's our greatest <laughs> issue is unity. That's the yeah. greatest issue in this nation right now. But what happens is we become so, we Silo. become so, Silo. so silent, right? If you don't agree with me, then I can't fool with you. If you don't agree with me, yeah. I'm cutting you off. Man, I don't, listen, listen, listen. I got some people that say some stuff. I'm like, I think they absolutely are crazy. But it does not, like, I'm not going to cut you off. Like, what, like this whole notion that I have, you have to agree with me. I think is the, I, I just think it's, it's, it's not, it's not effective moving forward. Like, yeah. you're going to have disagreements. You know, I tell people all the time, if you're going to be a great team, you're going to have some, you're going to have some challenges. Yeah. Families have challenges. Marriages have challenges. So this whole notion that I have to agree, I just, it's just, it's, it's really, it's, it's well, really disheartening. And I mean, and you, you, I mean, you can relate that. I mean, you're not in this, this pool right now, but like in the dating pool that's out here right now, because it's like, it's the same thing. It's like, I got my ways, I got my ways. And then there's no compromise. There's no real coming together, understanding right. what each other is. And like you said, everybody has their own agenda. And I definitely, when we look at Congress and councilmen and all that stuff, I definitely say that because, and a lot of those people actually don't know how to lead. They just know how to run the race of what politics is. Right, that's true. Yeah, right. And they know how to do agenda stuff and all this stuff, but they really don't know how to lead. And they get set up, and they get these corporate dollars and everything behind them that just push them. And then, I mean, you somebody can parade you to be able to look right. like a leader, but then there's another when you're actually in that position and that chair to make the decisions. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. That's it. Exactly. And I think uh, leadership one on one is communication. <laughs> Well, and active listening. You got to put both of those together. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah communication and active listening. That's a great point. You're really right. Communication, active listening. I mean, it's just, I mean, just you look on you look on Facebook every day, and I'm, you know, I'm just saying, just like one story after another, one story after another. I'm gonna stay away from. My yeah, no, like that. That'd be another rabbit hole. But this is <laughs> honestly, this is where I'm inspired at. Even though we got all this craziness going on right now, and I was having this conversation with a friend a couple of weeks ago. The thing I was saying is, even with all this mess, all this rubble that's happening, there's going to be a wave of new leadership that's coming. There's a wave of like new people that's boiling. They're here. They're doing work. They're grassroots stuff, and it's and it's coming. And so, um, like I was talking with my uncle a couple of weeks ago, and I was telling him about like when the whole defund the police thing came. I was yep. like, there's probably some eight year old right now who's hearing all of this, right. and then yeah. he or she is like. Oh, okay. This is what this is how their money and everything comes. And now, just as an eight year old, they're gonna watch that now, right? And, right. That's, that's a natural thing that's gonna come to them, and then they, they can yeah. develop that and figure out. Oh, this is how the county gets the money. This is where it comes from. Because right. so many times people feel like, and I'm sure you felt this, and I feel this at times. We we want to try to cure everything, and we can't. I'm <laughs> scared. No, you're no, you're no, you're assigning and no, you're like. Now, okay, I want to, I want to, I want to drive this. This is this is so critical and it's so oh so critical. Activism. I want to drive this activism because I think this is where it all fits. I think activism is important, but activism is not effective unless people understand their role. Yeah. Everyone says you're supposed to be the protest, and you know, you know everyone says you're supposed to be protest, but in reality, that's not true. Yeah. You need the policymaker. You need the person from the corporation. I mean, you need so many different levels, and I think so much we get hyped on the hoopla, but again, understand your role. And this is the other thing, Doug, it's not an overnight process. This is, no. I think this is The thing's so, been running for 400 plus years. Nah, but you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, and, and a lot of times we put all the energy in the first three weeks. If you, if you notice this though, if you notice the ones that have been around for a while, they need to sit back watching, just observing, and just being very strategic. You know, the young ones, they're like, let's go. And ain't no wrong. Just get the young ones out there and they push the envelope and they're opening people's eyes. But you know, the, the OGs are like, uh-huh, it's good. Keep yeah. on going, keep on going. And waiting for that moment. Now, 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 now. And I think that's so, that's so incredibly important to know your role and to know what you're supposed to do. And that's yeah. part of leadership as well. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you touched on it. Going back to, we go back to basketball. There's five people on the court. All of those five right. positions 
have different responsibilities. I mean, in the NBA now, it's it's a little more blurred lines because I mean, you got fives doing what ones do, and I'm 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 a big fan of old school basketball, like where you had the the fours and the five who had their back yeah, okay. to the like. I just that's and but that's 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 the difference. And then if we go to football, linemen are linemen. Linemen have right. like a specific job, and everybody's not built for that. If we talk about activism, that's front line stuff. That's front line stuff. You got exactly. your quarterback who's going to organize all of that stuff and get everybody where they need to be. Right. Exactly. You got, exactly. You got the tailbacks who could be like your runners and stuff. They go out and do different stuff, and then you got your receivers and all that stuff. But people listening to this, your role always doesn't have to be you're on the front line. Like, find what your skill is now and start to cultivate it. And that's why I'm excited about what really this this new wave of leadership can can grow out of this, out of what everything is going on. Yeah, I definitely think there's a shift. Um, I think there's a major shift. Um, one of the things that, that I've been I've been talking about is what worked in the past is not working now. Yeah. And so now it's forcing people to reimagine mm-hmm. and reimagine what can we create and how can we make things more sustainable. Yeah. I mean, if you think about education right now, right, they're yeah. talking about reopening schools, right? And that's a really tough decision, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and to be truthfully honest, they're talking about this vaccine, but we don't know when COVID-19, we don't know how long this is going to be. And also, we're not talking about the impact that it's going to have on students that yeah. are not getting training for a whole year. That's a big, that's a big mm-hmm. time away from school. We're not talking about the, the, um, the, the, uh, the access, you know, yeah. the internet access. And, yeah. There's just so many different dynamics. And so now what you have, Doug, is you have leaders in positions that have to reimagine what has never been done before. Yeah. So now you find out, are you really a leader or are you just a manager? So you've been maintaining this quo. <laughs> but leaders have vision. Leaders see stuff. There's one thing I tell people all the time with COVID-19. I said with COVID-19, and I've been really big on this, be ahead of the curve. Yeah. Be ahead of the curve. COVID. Has, has has shifted everything. But it doesn't mean that people are not still thriving and people mm-hmm. can't still make an impact. This is a great opportunity to reassign what you're going to do and position yourself to make a greater impact. And, and and I see it all across the board. I mean, there's so like one of the things I all, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to launch this one opportunity. Remote working is here to stay. Yeah. So right now I'm working on a program of talking about how can you be an effective virtual leader? Mm. everyone's going to need it. It's going to be an assessor. Everyone's going to need to know how to do it. People are asking questions. Boom! You become a solution to a problem. Now you become a leader because now you're leading people where we're going. Even yeah. with, um, you know, we're talking about even with something to change. We've been in person for 10 years. We're going virtual. But now, what people think, is it going to be like a virtual? No, it's going to be totally different. I mean, I'm not going to say it's going to be different, but it's not going to be your standard virtual, like what people are used to seeing, it's not going to be like, there's going to be some different dynamics and unique things that are going to shift again. Even when I do my Zoom conversations now, I work my video with, with Mike, the video guy, I got this whole thing set up where you won't even know you're in the Zoom room no more. I got graphics and all kinds of stuff. I, know, I, so, I, saw, I saw his Instagram. I saw the behind the scenes stuff yesterday. I was like, oh, I was like, I was like, Michael, you're doing some work over there. Exactly. But see, we're reimagining. Right. Yeah. And so and so when I was doing and so I'm even to the point now Doug, where people say, well, you know, virtual needs to be 30 minutes. I don't even know if I agree with that no more. Mm-hmm. I think you can engage an audience up to at least 90 minutes if you have everything working for you. If you got the games, if you got the engagement, if you got the energy, if you got the poll. I'm, I used to think I mean, for this thing for like, oh, yeah, we need to do 30 minute video because they're going to check. Out. I don't believe that no more. I believe the right setup and the right facilitator can change again. That's being ahead of the curve. That's yeah. being a leader. That's seeing a vision. And again, this is the this is this is amazing. This is the amazing thing. Every day things change. I'm gonna give you an example. What, what just came up when we first were getting ready to go virtual. I was like, Troy, we're not gonna be able to use you no more because we can't do board break. Because you know we did board break in the conference. We can't do this no more. Well, Tony Robbins did his conference because he was a forward thinker. Mm-hmm. Because as leaders, you learn from other people, right? He did board breaking. So I called Troy. I said, Troy, Tony Robbins just did board breaking virtually. You know what that means, Troy? We're getting ready to do it with Circle of Change. And as we talked about it, we literally got a blueprint on how to execute it virtually. Wow. 
Now that is what I mean by innovation. Yeah. And being ahead of the curve and really being a leader. Because think about it, once it's done, well, let me say Tony Robbins the first one I saw, but yeah. once that starts getting done, mm-hmm. other people will start doing it. No, it's, it's huge. And, and that's been one of my my revealing moments in all of this. Um, and, and disheartening moments, honestly, with from sports to to politics yeah. to companies, because they love to be take the charge in stuff that's like other stuff, especially technology or some other stuff. But especially with the social unrest, you could have been you could have been like it's been here. You could have been on that. Like you could have been led that charge. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. They could have been this a long time ago, but you know. But like you said, and we still hope they will now. Yeah, but it's like, now. But like you said, it's going back to their agenda. They don't. They want to make sure they're appeasing a certain amount of folks and all this stuff. And going back to like what you talked about the the engaging part of like virtual and everything. What it made me think of is when people say, and me and Tish talked about this on the last episode, because um, she used to teach. Because there's teachers that aren't effective teachers because they're not engaging. Right. Yeah. And it, it doesn't matter the amount of time that you have with them. Like they're just yep. not engaging. It's so not engaging. If, so if you can make something engaging, you know, time doesn't matter. Well, I'll share a secret this lady and I never forget. I thought it was so powerful. Um, she said certain speakers are trained, certain people have a gift. Yeah. Different. There's certain people when they start talking, people are drawn mm-hmm. instantly because they have a gift. Then there's other people that are trained. They don't have the gift, but they train themselves to be a speaker. But you can always tell the, the difference between the trained and the one that truly has the gift. Yeah. No, you, there, you, there's a different vibe. You definitely feel the difference. So mm-hmm. um, we touched on Circle of Change. Um, it's a, it's yeah. a, you've been running it. This is the 11th year now. Uh, Circle of Change Leadership Conference for students nationwide. Like I said at the beginning, I've been a part of it as a, a coach and just yeah. seeing the growth and everything that happens with, with the students. But talk about how did you start this? Like what, like, how did this, how did circle change all come to fruition? Yeah. To be, to be perfectly honest with you, I never thought I'd be here 11 years later. I had no vision for that. Um, I just know that I was in Jacksonville, Florida and well, even before that I was traveling the country and I would hear people talk about leadership, but it really wasn't leadership. Yeah. Um, that's just cause I had a scholarly and I, I think, I still think people do that, but they just place leadership on stuff because it mm-hmm. sounds good. It's cliche. It's the thing to do. Um, kind of like Black Lives Matter. Some people don't really believe it. You know, that's a whole yeah. other discussion for them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> so, um, and so I got so agitated, right? So like, I think people get agitated. So I got so agitated and I was like, man, we gotta, we gotta change. And so like, I gotta create a conference where I can actually embed this information into people that they need to understand when it comes to leadership. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately the first year, um, was so impactful that we go into the second year and it just starts spiraling and spiraling. And so you get to a point where it's just, it's just lives are being changed. It's transformational. It's growing. It's, it's being creative. It's changing. And it's like, it's like, it's just moving. And you're like, man, you can't stop doing this because it just, it keeps evolving, evolving, Mm -hmm. evolving. And the next thing you know, you're 10 years later, like how, you know, I'm here and you just can't stop, right? You you can't, you can't stop doing something that's effective that's growing so that's really how it happened and that's how it all shaped up but but but, but give us give us a little bit behind the scenes the, the nuts and bolts of like you getting it together bringing people calling okay because somebody might be listening to this and they want to build something and it's like just yeah, give them yeah, like yeah. a little bit of a blueprint of like what what did that look like that first year of you trying to really manifest uh, it and bring it together yeah the first well so for me i go back to my college i used to do a lot of events at co- in college okay so i always was was built to to create events okay. per se. Yeah. And so I knew how to create the events. I, I and I, you know, I understood how to create the event. And um, it was just matter of just build a team and really just determination, right? I just I was just like, I'm gonna make this happen, you know. But okay. I would say I had an intern, I had one intern. Um okay. she helped me to make calls and I was on a call hustling, calling people, telling people they need to come, um, just reaching out to people to panelists to speak at the event. Um and somehow Somehow I got the money to get to a place where um, where it worked out that first year. I mean, I, I can't. I mean, is it, I don't know what the. I had a vision. I guess first I had a vision. Yeah. So there was a vision. Then there was a there was an action plan, and then I had to figure out who was going to help me to manifest the action plan. Um, and to be honest, I had a lot of prayer. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll share this story. And I, this is foundational from the moment that I started, November seventh. Um, I'm on the phone 
uh, with one of my best friends and uh, we had seven people register, seven mm-hmm. people, right? So can all this work? And um, a lady's like, you know, I think you should cancel because you don't have no one that signed up. And um, I was like, well, we've come this far. And I thought about all the people that had helped me to that point. It wasn't a lot, but there were people. So like, as a leader, you got people on this journey. You can't give up now because they didn't came this far. You, I mean, you over to them to keep moving yeah. forward. And so it's serving leadership, making the sacrifices. Here we go, right? Mm-hmm. And so I remember I called my friend Becky. Um, and I was like, listen, I believe in prayer and I believe in fasting. And so I wrote out scriptures and I said, every Tuesday we're fasting all day and we're declaring the word and I'm going to speak positive. I'm going to think positive that this mm-hmm. thing is going to work out. And again, it wasn't just prayer fasting, it was prayer and fasting with action. So yeah, I wasn't yeah. just, I was doing something. Faith without works is dead. Yeah, I want to make that real clear. So, you know what I'm saying? I was doing something, you know, and I yeah. think that's really important. Um, that's a whole other discussion. But so, so I was praying and fasting. Um, and we were, you know, we were, we were moving forward with like 73. Um, by the week of Thanksgiving, two weeks beforehand, we got an unexpected gift of $10,000. Oh, wow. And so ultimately, that money enabled us to do the conference. Um, it was literally a supernatural miracle to be to be. It was supernatural. It was, it, it was like it was one of those moments in my life where I knew, like, if it was not for God, this would never happen. It was yeah. one of those those real faith stories. You know, yeah, yeah that was a real like for the way all this shit. It was like one of those real stories. And so from that moment on, I've always instituted a month before fasting prayer. A month before. Now, this is what a lot of people that are even on a leadership team, even coaches, they have no idea this going yeah. on. They have no idea that there's someone praying and declaring the word. So when all this stuff transpires, that's the foundation. And so it was, and to be honest, it was kind of crazy this year because uh, this year was, was another one of those moments. And I say it was a moment because uh, I remember I felt inspired. We're going to start praying every morning. Before the yeah. conference, I never did that, but I felt inspired. I never did. We're, we're driving to the conference. I got Judy in my car. I had no idea, and we're praying. She starts saying, "There's gonna be a shift," and she, I mean, I don't know. She was saying all this stuff. <laughs> and what was crazy was I was keynote speaking that morning. I had just put on my keynote. There's a shift now, mm. Doug. I don't know if you remember my keynote, but it was a very prophetic word because my keynote was this. Get ready for the challenge. That was my message. If yeah. you go back and listen to it, are you ready for the battle that's about to come? Who knew we were coming into COVID-19? <laughs> so it's so crazy. I look back like, man, that was very interesting, right? But like, it's just kind of irritating. So, so she says this. Yeah. So that night, man, I, I will never forget this. We're in the room and we're getting ready for our panels. And we start talking about scholarships. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, people just, I want to give, I want to give. And I'm like, we just raised $12,000 in a matter of 10 minutes to give out scholarships to students. I'm sitting up here like, this is crazy. Yeah. So then I'm like, how do you go from two all the way up to like 12? And then when we're giving out scholarships, two more people want to give a thousand. No, I think it was three thousand. I was like, yeah. what is yeah. going on? Like, I'm like, like to me, that was something I can't even describe. I'm still trying to figure out what was going on that day. Yeah. But that was, those were like, so I said all that to say, I think that was all based on prayer. I, I think all of that stuff is the foundation. And I think that's why circular changes continue to, to move forward and continue to make an impact is because of that. So, you yeah, know, it's, it's, it's that community element of what we talked about earlier and everything. And yeah. so, and I mean, I think last year, what we had, was it 500 students or? Right. 400, I think, 400, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so it's it's super impactful and everything. And so, I mean, you you touched on it and everything, but like, what what does what does circle of change mean to you? Yeah, no, it um for me is really simple. It's really igniting a fire so people can go out and make an impact in the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, for me, I mean, I know we have the the mission, discover leader, professional skills, but at the end of the day, for me, ignite a fire and that person goes out and makes an impact. Mm -hmm. It's really simple that. When you cut, man, I'm getting inspired right now. So when people come to Circle of Change, our, 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 I need to, I mean, I add this stuff. You got me, this, this whole pie got me thinking. So when people come to Circle of Change, we're here to ignite a fire. Yeah. So, so if you're feeling down, if you're feeling discouraged, wherever you are in life, our job is to light the fire that's going to ignite you, that's going to launch you to go out there 
and be the best you can become and make your impact in the world, no matter who you are yeah. and no matter where you come from. And and I no think matter that's what industry or whatever. No matter what industry you are. And, um, you know, I really did been more intentional about culturally diverse and first generation. When I first started, I didn't say that. Um, but one of the things that I was beginning to discover is I was discovering there were a lot of, um, there were a lot of first generation culturally diverse students that were coming. And I was like, and it's my passion, right? So I was like, well, I might as well be more intentional about it. If these students yeah. are being impacted, then I need more first-generation students here. I need more culturally diverse students here. And I know some people are like, oh, you know, you know, because some people have issues with that, right? But I'm like, I gotta, I feel like social change has been very effective with that. And I think yeah. it's important once you find that niche to really just drive it home over and over and over and over again. So, um, and I mean, I mean, the thing about that is, and I mean, you you speak, and we'll touch on that in a minute. Um, and some, it's, a lot of times this is the hard work that we do because you don't know when it's going to truly blossom. And, and oh, that's, yeah. that's the tough work for a lot of people. And that's why a lot of people can't get into, in a sense of what I say is social work, because everything is social, like with people. It's not just being a social yeah. worker, but because you can have an interaction with somebody and maybe never see them again. And you don't know, you, you're just hoping and praying that that sparked something, like you said, to like really get them to go into where they want to be until they meet the next person that continues that spark that gives them that and keep it going. And I do want to share this, and I think this is important. I think I remember no one's getting paid. I mean, I'm not going to say I've got a little bit. I don't even probably like over 10 years, five or six. I don't know. I, but there's no profit. I mean, you get we've given stipends. We've given little things here and there. But I mean, as far as when people run a nonprofit, people have salaries. There is no salary. There's stipends. There's internship. There's things that I try to do. Hey, this is hard work. This is <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I say that because you no, know, and, and this is what a lot of people don't understand. I want to share this because I think it's important. When I'm working on circular change, it takes away from my speaking business. Yeah. Because all the time that I put in on calls and marketing and promotion and videos, like I share with them up till three in the morning doing videos, that's time. Mm -hmm. And all that time is what you could be doing on your business and in your career. So ultimately, you know something has to be number one of God, and you know something has to be your purpose. Yeah. When it can take away from your financial well-being, it can mm -hmm. take away from some of the other things you can do, but it's so powerful, you're willing to make that sacrifice. Yeah. And I think that's the, to me, that's when you know something special. And even our leadership team, I mean, people like you yourself, you know, going out of your way and, and volunteering and going out of your way to help. I mean, that's a sacrifice. They don't y'all don't have to do that. You know what I'm saying? But I think it's true said. Y'all don't have to do that, but yeah. I think it's the impact, it's this it's the special purpose that we all have the opportunity to do collectively to make an impact. Again, yeah. you know, I think it's important to understand it's not one person. It's all mm -hmm. of us working together. If it wasn't for all of us, there would be no circle of change. Yeah, no. And I think there would be no so circle. You can't, you can't be a circle with one person. <laughs> you can't. You can't. It's a collective group, man. And uh, I think that's a great thing to see people and the relationships that are built and uh, just the people. It's, just, it's, a, it's amazing. It's amazing. No, I, mean, just, I mean, since, I mean, and I, the, my first introduction to it was the, the, the regional one you did at uh, San Jose State. <laughs> yeah, and 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 that was a lot and that was and i mean it, it was a lot but it like i saw that impact and i and i felt that impact and it, that stays with me even to this day i have and it's funny how like things i mean things in life can can take you back to something i have this uh uh portfolio like you know the little ones that you write in and, and i brought yeah, that yeah. with me there and i took a bunch of notes like when kevin bracy was talking and you were talking yeah. and even just when i see that that portfolio it takes me back and I get wow. I get that feeling and everything of being back there and everything and going to the to the to the national one and being down there in SoCal and you know seeing how it affects students and and yeah. and allows students to to be more and do more and then how I get affected and everything and like you said like I don't have to sign up for that stuff but I choose to uh, yeah. all of the coaches do and and it's just it's just great work I mean um, as as yeah. as Miss Tish would say it's still good to be good. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah. So, That's a tish right there. That, that, me. Hey, I'm 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 gonna quote that to the cows go home, as they say. And so, uh, Josh, go ahead and touch, because I mean, man, I, I I can't I can't do enough service about like your speaking engagements and everything. And um, how long have you been doing that? Um, just give us a little insight into that and and what you do and everything. 
yeah, that's 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 my true. I think my true purpose to be honest is my speaking. So that um, began 15 years ago. Okay. Um, going back to college, I told you I was cut from the basketball team by one player. Yeah. Um, had a communications class and identified a gift that I didn't even know I had. I didn't know I could talk until I had that communications class. Drew a passion for it. Um, had an organization spoke. 50% of people started crying, and I was off to be a speaker. That was this. That was, a speaker in a talk show. The talk show hasn't come yet, but it's coming because that's my other. My other vision that I think is exactly we got to talk about that because that's a, that's one of my things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's you know I put I really put that on the back. I actually used to do a show called Speak on It, uh, political and social, so for like seven years, mm-hmm. and I shut it down just because I just got too busy and you know things happen. Yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, that's where it all started, and then I just start again that drive, man, of impacting people and speaking, and you know, been a lot of times where I thought I was going to go broke and it was over, but somehow it always maintains some it's 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 the call it's really my call it's at the end of the day my call is to speak and so i've spoken on a variety of you know leadership did my bread and butter but diversity inclusion social change orientation because i i grew up i guess i was preaching before i was speaking yeah so as a preacher you have to um you know you get new messages you don't recycle messages although that's all that there's some but (laughs) mainly you're you know the way i was taught you, I'm saying that because there's certain preachers that have like five, and I'm sitting Yeah, no, not, I, I, I know. They have five canned messages and they usually share them, you know, that's a whole other message. But I was always taught, you know, what is God saying and, you know, what, you know, what it, so I've always taught, and I think gifted and grace to come up with messages. So, like, honestly, Doug, man, I, I'll be sitting here and I'll get a message in about three minutes. Like, I'll get a structure. Like, like it's crazy. Like, I know, true story, I just had a speech and I did a, um, a ceremony. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say, you have 15 to 20 minutes. And I was like, okay, we're going to have a conversation. Like, well, you know, they need motivation and mm-hmm. virtue. I said, boom. I said, okay, number one, we're going to do the coffee bean, the carrot, and the egg story. And we're going to talk about the importance of resiliency and how they're history makers and they're COVID 19. And so you got to be resilient, you got to push mm-hmm. through. And then out of that, I'm going to create the acronym BEAN. Because you're going to be a coffee bean, but what are the characteristics of a bean? Inside of B-E-A-N, I use different qualities of resiliency to hammer home the message in 20 minutes. That came to me when I was talking to the person on the phone, getting more information. And so that's that's not, it's a God it's a God given gift. And, and I think I think for me, it's that inspiration. And I really got to figure out how you, now you got like you're, I'm like having a counseling session, but I really think like. I got to figure out how to, no, and I'm, this is true. This is true. So I get the best ideas when I'm not looking for them. Yeah, no, I no, because no, because I was going to say, I get those same things. Main time, shower. Yes, yeah, okay, shower. Yeah, so yeah. So I get things. So it's funny when I try to rest, it's hard for me to rest. And that's when I start getting all these ideas. So I think for me to be effective, it's probably more effective for me to actually rest and chill to position myself for this spontaneous moment. Mm-hmm. Can I get them? It just, they just, they just drop Josh, out of nowhere. Look, I got a notepad next to me right now, just in case something comes from this. Like it's, it's real. I I know yeah. I was on, I was on the zoom Sunday with a friend and got like four different programs that I can produce. So <laughs> exactly. There you go. Exactly. It comes. It comes. Even my topics. Yeah. I didn't even talk about diversity. I was leadership. And then a, 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 a director of uh, multicultural was like, how come you don't talk about diversity? You're, you know, you're an African-American male. And I was like, I never really had a message. But what's crazy is that fall, I taught a class on cultural competence. Mm-hmm. And then once I taught the class, I was like, oh, I can talk about this. I got a lot of history. And so that inspired me to start talking about it. So now it's evolved. Hey, it's man, it's 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 a beautiful thing, Josh. I mean, I like I said, I get inspired by you every time I talk to you. Think oh, about this. Like, I'm like, what what is Josh doing? I'm like, okay, <laughs> like what? Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, trying to trying to trying to make things happen. Trying, you know, trying to yeah. And, and the thing is, the right it's, place. The, it's the work of helping people. So I mean, that makes it so much more beautiful and so much more passionate. Yeah. Um, because you know it's going to change the lives, and you know as as we say in in education or in the the work of just helping people, even if it just touched one person, and and you know, they, yeah, I, I feel led to share this. I, I just got and I haven't even done. Uh, I was going to do a video on this actually. Okay. Because I thought you know, in life, it's sometimes tough when you get up. You don't feel like getting up in the morning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes you don't feel like um, you just don't feel like doing nothing. Even if you like it, you still don't feel like doing it. I mean, mm-hmm. this time I don't feel like getting on a plane to go speak. It's just what it is, right? Um, whether sometimes you have, you know, you're blessed with opportunity, but you just don't have the 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 the, the energy, right? Yeah. yeah. And as I was thinking about that with COVID nineteen, I'm sure you know it just gets tougher now because of so many just so many different dynamics, especially being a, a black man or a black woman. You know, it's even more crazy. You know what I'm saying? That's all added on to the whole COVID stuff. And it's just the uncertainty and just it's just so much going on. And I was like, you know, at the end of the day, it's important not just to write your vision, but to write down why you get up every morning. Mm. So, like, I was like, I need to do a video. What are the top seven reasons why you get up? Yeah. So for me, number one, obviously my children. Right. The reason Mm -hmm. I got to keep living is because of my children. The reason I got to get up and give 110 percent is because there are people that are depending on you to deliver and, you know, I think if more people had their why statements up yeah. every day, I think there'd be more strength to continue to move forward. That why statement is so powerful. And so yeah. I was thinking about, I thought I may share that with someone today. You know, what is your, why do you do what you do? Yeah. Your true essence why, not, you know, like your authentic to yeah, the core. Yeah, just like, oh, I, I, I like to do this. Like At the end of your life, mm-hmm. why did you do what you do? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's real because... And I think about my younger self when I really didn't have a why. And like I say, definitely like younger me was just um, I was I was existing and not living. Um, that's yeah. because I really didn't know my why or what I want to do. And so time goes by when you don't know what's going by, when you don't have when you're not focused on something. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's definitely a thing of understanding that and, and and realizing that. And then I just shot a video today and like put it on Facebook and stuff was talking oh, about um you know just circle like in the sense circle change you don't you can't do this alone and the thing is you Mm -hmm. have to be able to get people around you who can who can ignite that fire and help you because like you said it gets tough like there's days just as good as you can be in something there's days when you like i don't care it is like you're making six and seven figures but you still like i don't care right exactly yep exactly but if you gotta be but if you don't have those people around you, like it, it doesn't. Yep, that's true. Yeah, you need that community, that encouragement, and really, you know, just you know, it's that why, man. It's it's that why. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why, why, like, uh, like MJ said, why? Uh, yeah, I think for me, um, you know, one of the things that kept me pushing, honestly, with speaking, is that I just really had this passion that I was not going to do something I didn't love doing. Yeah. To be really honest with you, like I really have this passion. Like I'm not having a boring job. Like I just really, I think that's what. Like I was a substitute for six years. I was like, man, I can't wait till I get out of here. I am not doing what I don't love to do. Like I was, I mean, that was my drive to be yeah. doing what I love to do and get paid. That was my, and that's still my drive. And I was even thinking today, I was like, man, I can't wait till I can travel again. I love traveling to different. Mm-hmm. Like I absolutely love it. Yeah. So this whole shutdown is cool, and I'm with my family, and you know yeah. the virtual. It's, it's good, but at the end of the day, man, I like to travel. I like to be on the road. Well, I was I'm like, man, I'm like, I'm, look, I would see Josh on Facebook. He'd be like in California, and then like a couple hours later, he in Texas, and then like a couple hours later, he in Kentucky, and yeah, <laughs> I love that. I mean, I love that. So I, I, I'm glad I had that moment today. Yeah. So it reminds me, like. When this thing clears up, you got to get back on that. Like, I, I'm, I want to keep traveling. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I always consider, like, I have all this, but I could probably go get a job. You know, I see people in companies, bonuses, it's crazy. And I was like, but I just don't, it's too boring. Like, yeah. I, I, it's kind of fun. Nobody, I saw a, a, a position, part-time, diversity, consultant. I think I got two of them. I'm like, man, I probably could apply for that right now. But I don't want to be stuck. Yeah. Like, to me, yeah. that would be, like, I don't want to be at the same place. I mean, I, I don't mind going to speak and help but i gotta keep you you like variety you like to to, like that's why like uh i uh 9 27 2013 is when i retired from retail i did retail 15 years i did really i did retail 15 years and and so retail is that element of like i don't like doing that i i was a cashier i hated being in the box at a grocery store i you I felt like I was like fighting my way outside of like from being from behind that thing. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I love to move. I love to like be around different things. Like I have to to be able to have that freedom of that stuff and do what I love to do. And retail for me, um, 
And I remember where I used to work at Bed Bath Beyond. And I remember um, being there. And like, I, I worked on the hard side. They called the hard side where the blenders and all that stuff in. And I remember helping this guy like buy a, a blender. And I'm like, and this is when I'm in. I'm working on my BA in sociology at the Cal State East Bay. And I'm like, I really don't care about this blender right now. I'm actually one concerned yeah. about. In my head, I'm like, what what problems are you going through in life? Because I'm like, that's where. Oh that's wow! So you started to discover your yeah yeah yeah. yeah like, I'm like, I don't care about you getting this blender because everybody got problems. Like I can't go there because I'm in this box of like what work yeah. is. But man, getting like you said, I I don't. I mean, I'm only excelling and different things are coming from here, but I'm I'm definitely like you said, I like that being constrained and all that stuff. I'm just not trying to do that and not not have if I can't have fun at what I'm doing, like I'm not doing it. It's not yeah, it's not it's not living. It's not living. So yeah, so that's been my key, man, just to build up, um, just to be doing what I love to do. Yeah. Um, no. that's that's that, that's my that's my driving force. No, dude, you 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 encourage me because I'm like I, I mean, part of one of my goals is to become a traveling motivational speaker, but I want to do a part time. Like, I don't want to do the full. Oh, oh so you, so you want to do part time? Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, I yeah, want yeah. To do the part time thing. So we'll we'll talk about that and everything. But Josh, you got you got so much going on, man. Um, yeah. this is this is plug time. So, uh, okay. I know you got the, the fundraisers coming up, and like you people, you just heard about Circle of Change, and there's there's ways to donate, and there are opportunity this Saturday. Um, but also if you, if there'll be opportunities, if they can donate after Saturday, um, we'll yep. know that. and then anything else you got going on, Josh, that you want to promote, go ahead, man. Yeah. Um, there's so many things, but let me just start with Circle of Change. Yeah. We are having the first virtual fundraiser, um, happening this Saturday. Um, again, never done it before. So here we go again with something, something new. <laughs> I did want to say something. I, I knew it came to you right now. I, did, I just thought about it. And I just think I want to say this. A lot of times we get ideas, but we don't act on them. Woo. And I think for me, that's been really critical. When I get an idea, I'm try I'm moving. Mm-hmm. Like when people say, How do you do all that stuff? Like, how do you do so? I get tired. Yeah. Because God downloads it and once he gives it to me, I gotta go. Mm-hmm. And he'll give me the grace to do it. And I'll uh, so he'll this again, this is for those who believe. Hey, go, go. I, I found that I found that and I'm still studying this a little bit, I found there's a grace in God that enables you to do more than your humanly possible. Mm-hmm. Like, so let that sink in. There's an ability to do more than what you than what you can actually control. I think yeah. that's a better way to look at it. So, like, if you're running an organization of 300 plus people, you can't control everything, but there's a grace on you that enables you to do that. Mm-hmm. You have to trust certain systems, trust certain things in place the way they are. Yeah. And I think the same is true in life. For people, so you do all this stuff. There's the grace. So when I get the idea, when I get the insight, I start to move and, and I, I manage and and work in that kind of grace. So I said all to say the virtual fundraiser was an idea, right? So here we go. Um, coming together. Um, people definitely give whatever you want to give. If you want to give 11 cents, that's okay. If you want to give $11, that'll be great. If you want to give 111, that's great. And if some, uh, 1,011, that's great. And if someone's watching 111, 100,000, that'll be good too. But ultimately, whatever you want to hey, If you want to donate a million, drop a million hey, in we'll there. Take a million. Yeah, put that out there too. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, so. <laughs> So we're doing that this weekend. Um, the cause is real simple. Um, number one, for interns, because each year we have interns uh, that we pay a stipend to that really do the marketing and calling and all the grunt work people don't want to do. Uh, then we have our social justice award, which we're starting. So that'll be the afternoon. And then um, that night, the Circle of Change Fund, that may go to a variety of different things, um, just really to help the cause and move forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, you know, people can donate. You can go to our Circle of Change website and you can donate right to there to donate that in. And you can donate whatever you want. We're a 501c3 organization. Um, in addition to that, I have a new book coming out um, September. It's called Red Leadership. All so right. retention, engagement, and developing world-class leaders. Um, so that'll be coming out. So those are two things you know, that are coming out. You know, oh, okay. You got, any, you got any keynotes or anything coming up? Or are you doing? Oh, uh, yeah. No, I just did one last night. Uh, got one on Saturday. All this is virtual. Yeah. Um, I own a college, um, got another conference. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I got a pretty, it's filling up pretty good. The, cal- the calendar looks good. It is, it is, yeah, it is, it is, it is. August, September, October, and so we'll just keep seeing, you know, how things, it's going to go good, it's going to go good. Yeah. Okay, yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm believing that, and I, and I, I, I believe you in that, that grace, uh, I was just recently talking with some friends at, at my church, and we were just talking about, you know, the, is grace, like what is grace? Is, is it is it a one thing or is it multi? And I believe grace is what it needs to be for in that moment. 
That's and, great. Oh, that's great. I love how you break that down. That's really good. It, yeah. it allows you to, like you said, supersede what you need to in that moment because grace might be patient for somebody. They really need some grace. <laughs> grace yeah. And patience. But, yeah. But, but somebody might need that grace to be able to to put this idea and everything that they need together. And and like you, like one of the things um, I, I work in career services, a student came back to me a couple years ago and, and told me about the job interview that they had and an interview question they had um, was, what's the last idea that you made a reality? And that has stuck with me ever since. You want me to put something else on you? You ready to get something else? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. This. My, uh, my pastor said this, my LA pastor, and then my her, her, uh, one of my friends, Becky, who posted it. You're waiting to hear from God, but God is waiting for you to answer the last word he gave you. <laughs> like, you know, you know, there's steps to this thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you're like, God, what's going on? And God's like, I ain't doing nothing until you do what I told you to do. <laughs> and you just sitting there and sitting there and he just waiting and waiting. What did I tell you to do? And this is why, okay, so this is why it's so critical. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this. Now you got me started. Okay. I'm going to share, I'm going to tell you why this is so critical. You ready for this, Doug? Yeah, I'm ready. So we ready. We ready. Okay. So yeah, we, last year, now I just finished my dissertation. Mm hmm. And I felt the Lord said, write two books. Mm. I got another book that ain't even, I ain't even, I ain't even, that's, it's already done. I just have to do the, like it's sitting there. Yeah. He said, write two books. And like, I don't even like writing. I, I do not like writing. I hate writing. Just to, just to make it, I, I don't like writing. One okay. reason, I don't like writing. I do it because it's a part of being a speaker. Yeah. And also, it's it's it, it can set you up for other things as a professional speaker from a business sense. I don't like writing books. That's why I do I write books. So I wrote the book. My book is getting ready to come out in September of 2000, 2020. Yeah. On retaining, engaging, and developing culturally diverse leaders of the younger generation. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, just let this sink in. Millennials, Gen Z, diversity, inclusion at this time. Now, watch this. When I was writing the book, Doug, my initial intention was actually to launch the other book first mm. because I was farther along. But my partner was lagging. So I was like, I'm going to put that on the back burner, let them do what they got to do, and I'm going to yeah. focus on red leadership. COVID enabled me to speed up red leadership and launch it first now, which is ultimately a better launch than the other book. Why do I say that? Doug, what happens if the Holy, if, if God told me a year and a half ago to start writing this book and I didn't write the book? You wouldn't. The, the timing, the mm -hmm. season, the opportunities. Now understand with this book, I'm creating a workbook. I'm yeah. creating an e-learning module. Mm. I'm creating consulting. All this stacked out when there's yeah. a major need. What happens if I never do the book? And that's what a lot of people do. A lot of people are stuck years later because they missed when God said to go. Some, some, somebody said, I forget who said it. It may have been my, my pastor or somebody. They were like, the, the graveyard is full of treasure because people die with a bunch of ideas and purposes that they were supposed to execute. Yeah, miles and row. Yeah, that's right. That's why I got it from. Yeah, it's, it's it's real, Josh. So, uh, man, I I I appreciate all of this. I know people gonna people gonna eat up on this. They just gonna be a nice <laughs> thing, meal that they could they could eat on and everything. And so, just last segment before we get out of here and everything, um, man, what are you digging on nowadays? What what you digging on right now? Oh, what am I digging? What am I what am I learning? Yeah, just about? in life. Like, what are you digging on? Oh man, um. Where am I at? Um, I mean, what am I? I mean, I think marketing. So okay. I think I think online marketing. I'm really trying to learn that. Mm -hmm. um, that's really big on me right now. Online marketing, understanding how to, you know, be more effective as far as marketing online. Uh, me and my wife came. Oh, is that light out. I feel like I'm getting dark in here. Okay. <laughs> uh, me and my wife. Uh, me and my wife uh, do this thing called marriage mentors. Okay. Um, but there's this. There's this. There's this. This this structure I thought was really good. It's called you um, you um, you mediate, 
you teach, and then you confront. Um, you're going to like this as a counselor. So it's like a scoreboard approach. Yeah. So you, you, you use an assessment and then you identify the problem. But when you identify the problem, you don't give the person a solution. You have the couples figure it out together. Mm. And then once they figure out the solution, whatever it is, then you teach them why they were in the position before they got into the position. And I thought this is great because I think this concept goes on so many different places. Uh, let's just deal with racial relations. Yeah. This is the problem. I'm not going to tell you what to do. How are you going to solve the problem? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? So now we just, we just got a workshop right now. Okay. I mean, could you imagine, Doug, how a person brings in a person? And we just got a workshop. Like I'm, I'm writing this down right now. And I may actually choose it. Have you imagined a lot of times that people are always like, we need a person to come in and solve our racial problems. Yeah. But why don't we create a space where the two people that have the issues have to talk amongst each other? How do we solve the problem? Then based on your solution, now let me begin to teach you and let me begin to tell you what needs to be done in order to make it better. I, I just imagine the transformation that could happen if, if that approach was a little different. No, that's 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 beautiful because one of my problems always hated in 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 work especially work stuff is when there's an issue and we know the issue but we talk to everybody (laughs) like that's not the solution that doesn't solve the problem because it's just like okay well they're just talking to everybody then so no that that's that's super dope so i'm I'm definitely excited to hear about that and everything man and, and what you're doing with that so that's awesome um so yeah, what you digging on? What I'm digging on right now is just doing a lot of self care. I'm uh, on mm-hmm. a work vacation right now, but just enjoying going out in nature and just getting okay. out and and letting my brain free from from the work element as we get ready uh, for the semester to start back up again. But um, Josh, man, again, I super appreciate this. Um, this ain't gonna be your last time on here, so just know okay, that you're coming back again. So this is gonna be a yeah, it's gonna be an awesome time. So, um, man, any last words you want to just give to the people listening? Uh, LeBron James, strive for greatness. Hey, LeBron James, you know I'm down for that all the time. So. All right, y'all. Thank you for listening to the Dig on Doug. Until next time, peace out, y'all. Peace out. This has been another episode of Dig on Doug. I really hope you got something out of this. And if you did, go ahead and make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a comment below. I want to hear from you. Also, you can reach me on Instagram at digundug or email me at digundug at gmail.com. Share this with your family, friends, co-workers, and your squad. I look forward to your comments. And with that, keep digging, y'all. Peace out.